0: Hey everybody, welcome to We Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen movies of the 80s and beyond. Uh, If you've been listening to the show on a regular basis, my sister has been my host for almost every single episode, and it's time to shake things up a bit, because she's really busy. And uh, I have my friend Rob here. Uh, We do the action movies over on Hit Rewind, and uh, we kind of wanted to celebrate someone that we just lost, Kelly Preston, and watch two of her movies from... uh, her teen-oriented uh, movie, you know, kind of years, and one that you had never seen before and one I hadn't seen in decades. Right. So we got Space Camp and we have Mischief. Uh, and you had never seen Mischief. We had mentioned Secret of Mire, but
1: I couldn't find it anywhere. Right. Um. Uh. Yeah, I had never seen Mischief before. Like, after, like, I watched it, I, um, I noticed, like, oh, I think I've seen this around on... Uh, like HBO back in the day, but it's something I never watched because you know, quite frankly, like it it gave me the look of like, oh, this is look like some fucking romantic thing, you know, the you know comedy from the '80s, and I wasn't interested in that. You know, I was interested more in watching like Van Damme movies and stuff. But uh, <laughs> lo, lo, lo and behold, uh, as I watched it, I realized that wasn't really the case with this movie.
0: No, this used to play on Comedy Central all the time, and I'd only ever seen the edited version of it. When I watched it this time, this is the first time I've ever seen it, like, not trimmed down. I was like, whoa, hold on. Oh, whoa, boy. I didn't expect
1: that. (laughs) Oh. Oh, yeah. Like, I I thought it was going to be like some tame little romantic comedy with kids, and I was like, oh, this is... This is, quite frankly, very mature. Yeah, you know what's (laughs) funny is,
0: the one thing I do remember about this, I cannot remember what magazine it was, I think it might have been Rolling Stone, but knowing me, it was probably my dad's Playboys he had hidden under the bed. But I remember seeing an ad for this, and uh, the movie poster has, like, kind of a risque look to it, but you're not sure. Um, But this is... This is if you took the raunchy parts of Porky's. But... You actually yes. made it a good movie. I fucking hate Porky's. I don't understand the appeal. I don't understand how it made like $90 million when there were so many better movies around. Confounding.
1: <laughs> the funny thing is that my mother is actually a huge fan of Porky's. She's wow. A, she's you the never reason would I saw that. It. Yeah, she's the reason I saw it. Like, she was like, oh, yeah, you got to watch this. The, it's so funny. It's so funny and uh, I was like, oh, this is the type of shit you watch, Mom? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's one eventually we'll have to confront the trilogy on this show, but uh, I'm not eager to do it right now. But Mischief, I think, is the best elements of whatever that had to offer. But... Yes. I'm not going to say it's a perfect film by any means. I think the thing it lacks oh, no. is the fact that so we have Doug McKeon, who's um, coming off of On Golden Pond. He's the real lead, but the one they're trying to sell you as the sexy, romantic lead is a nothing. Chris Nash looks like a young Michael Pray kind of you know, James Dean guy, but I don't believe right. a single thing that comes out of his mouth. It has no emotion,
1: no no drive.
0: He's just saying it, and that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I... You know, throughout it all, by the end of it, I kind of like his character more than Jonathan. But uh, I, 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 I can see what you're saying that uh, like he's, it's just they, they're trying to get him to pull off the James Dean, you know, rebel greaser type, and he, he doesn't really pull it off. But uh, I don't think he's like that bad in the role. I just think like he was probably just not the perfect casting for that kind of role.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I like him better. I know he's not in a lot of it, but in the Wraith, the next year, um, he's one yes. of his buddies. I think he's more convincing yeah, yeah. as kind of a dick. Whereas this one, he's trying to play a wholesome. I'm yeah. just not. He's not a terrible actor, but I'm not believing what he's saying.
1: Right, right, right. I I, I could agree with you there.
0: But yeah, Doug McKeon uh, plays kind of oh boy. If it wasn't if he wasn't a good actor and likable i think a lot of the stuff he pulls in this movie would make him seem pretty gross and, and just kind of a distasteful oh, character
1: yeah i was like i i uh, like i'm on his side at, from the beginning because he's very like like you say he's very likable but then when we get to the midway point it's like oh my god you're a fucking pervert yes like, you're, you're so, a creep I'm right. trying
0: so I'm trying to remember what it was like to be that age and there are stuff when I look back on it I cringe because of my behavior you're, you're so it's like a drug you're, you're like you're dick drunk you know your hormones have taken over your, your penis is doing all the talking and it makes you do stupid and say stupid things now there's a level of decency in everybody where they know where to stop it and I think he really rides that line where he's almost
1: a villain like almost like
0: ooh yeah. dude where's the good guy in this movie it's so close,
1: right, right, right. He's like he's like the anti Jason Getrick and the Heavenly Kid, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, there, yeah, like you know, you see that transformation as they go farther along. You know what I'm saying? And like you, they become unlikable. But uh, he just crosses that threshold when you're just like, you're a fucking creep, man. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my god, like that car scene. Yes, okay, yeah, like, that that's like, the one that I
0: almost stopped watching the movie because yeah, yeah, I, I believe was, it was cut too. out yeah. of the Comedy Central version. That scene is not there because it's too sexually aggressive and you watch him push and push and push and then she kind of blows it off like haha, and I'm like I don't think that's the proper response to way that, that you were acting right before that.
1: Yeah, totally. Like he's just like Oh my god Like you're practically Fucking raping her Like Jesus yeah. Christ No I'm not gonna see He's you. like It's, it's,
0: the it's guy. almost
1: It's almost like a, a comedic version Of Biff In uh In uh Like his scene At the end of Back to the Future Where he's trying to Rape Lorraine Right It's kind of like A softer version Than that And it's just like Oh god It's still just Just awful
0: now the two things that really work for this film uh, is the fact that it is a nostalgia piece and I kind of like watching older movies uh, you know yeah okay let's be clear a lot of these nostalgia movies are meant clearly just for dumbass white old guys who didn't actually we're looking through through rose colored glasses I wasn't alive but that's what I feel like it was because I feel like mm. the 50s and 60s were really only good for suburban white guys And you have to get a grip on reality that that's just a fantasy. That's not reality what they're trying to portray to you. Right, right. And the other thing that works so well with this movie is it's not the two leads. The guys don't really make this movie watchable. It's the ladies. They're so damn good. I mean... Uh, Catherine Mary Stewart is always solid, but Kelly Preston sometimes can be a little questionable based on the material they give her. Sometimes she can just be a boring or a whiner kind of person, but she really balances different elements. There's some stuff that she does is questionable and shitty, and then some stuff she does is really sweet and, and, and normal. And I think it's because of her performance that you're willing to take that ride with her character.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it, it's almost like the way the, the way you know the character is set up. You know, she's supposed to be like you know this kind of like vapid, you know, blonde, you know, popular girl. But like her portrayal of the character is just so sweet. Like you know, it's almost like damn, they should have just made her the lead. You know, until aside from her story, until they give her that development at the very end to like oh, they're trying to remind her she is she is kind of. The villain, and it's like, oh, that's bullshit.
0: That's such a cop out. But yo, I also you know? see. I don't see her as the villain. I think. I think it's just a realistic approach to high school because it's not exactly like yeah. he was a winner. They they had their time together. It didn't work out because if you remember the scene where they just had sex, and it's like the next yeah. day where they're at school, he ignores her. So that shit's on right. him. So she's more of the hero in that. I can see why uh, she would be offended by that, and maybe decide to move on to someone else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like he, 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 and not just that day. Like he kind of really just ignores her to the point where she has to ask him to prom. So then it's like when it, you know the development comes that she's she's going to decide to go with. And then she even asked him, like, oh, I just wanted to make sure if it was cool if I go with him instead. And he just like, oh, you guys can go fuck yourselves. And it's like, but you're a dick. So, yeah. like, you, you deserve to get blown off,
0: you asshole. And, and the one thing that gives them more of an edge as heroes is just by proxy because there's a bigger asshole. And the guy that D.W. Brown, I think it's D.W. Brown, plays, he was like the, one of those quintessential 80s tools, you know? I, I think he's such a yeah. sleazy jackass. That because of the brutality that he puts him through, that makes him more of a hero than I think he really
1: is. Right, right. You know, he's like, he's a hero by default. You yes. Know, because, you know they, they they make him such the such a loser. You know and you know it's 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 like it's it's an essence was like he's such an asshole like throughout it all, but because there's a bigger asshole on the other side, he's the hero by default. You know. Yeah
0: but at the same time you also have to look at the reality of being teenagers is you fuck up a lot and you can sometimes be an asshole I look at myself at that age and I was like I would kick the shit out of myself you know from 20 years ago 25 years ago
1: yeah absolutely
0: so uh, I I still know. think it's a very interesting movie but it's not a great movie but I mean it's it, we watched
1: it for free on YouTube so it didn't do any harm <laughs> right, right absolutely I think, you know, the the biggest sin of the movie is how thoroughly they waste Jamie Gertz.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. And then at the end when she, all she does is just change her look and all of a sudden he notices her. Right. And I'm like, right. she just doesn't have glasses now. She's the same exact person she was before, except you were too blind right. to see that.
1: Right, she took off her braces and her glasses. And oh my gosh she's so beautiful she, she was still beautiful All she had was the glasses and braces She was just so much of an asshole to not realize that You know and, and The thing is like you know you've seen enough Of these movies that You know you, you, you Kind of can predict how they're going to go So with like in the first 10 minutes like The minute they get to the fair And you know they get to the kissing booth thing and uh, you see how she's in, how much infatuated she is with Jonathan Jamie Kerr's character, and he's like, "Oh, okay, I see what's going to happen. You know, he he's gonna, you know, this guy's gonna make him cool. He's gonna get Kelly Preston, but then he's gonna realize it isn't worth it, and then he's gonna realize Jamie Kerr's character was the one for him." No, was that a you know, newer cliche okay. then, though? Was that kind of
0: newer? Because I don't recall a lot of movies having that kind of uh, plot point in it back then.
1: Yeah I mean that uh, was probably newer back then But like I guess because we're watching it from You know a, a, a different time period where we've seen Enough movies like that where it's like
0: Okay you know
1: I, I see where, what's what's happening here You know it might have been in like a newer Innovative thing back then but uh, I'm like oh, okay okay I get it I get it already 10 minutes in I already understand But then it's like Oh man this goes on forever you know, and then like you don't see Jamie Gertz like she pops up every now and then. And like, how do you just cast Jamie Gertz and then just not use her? Because Jamie Gertz is such a revelation. I love Jamie Gertz so much, and you just have her pop up like I think she pops up at least like five times in yeah. the movie. Well, this is really really yeah. early. Yeah.
0: I think at the time that she had only been on Square Pegs, and then she had been in a movie called Alphabet City with. Um, vincent spano yes. i think that's all that she had by the way did you see the the uh the new copy of alphabet city coming from vinegar syndrome it looks amazing yeah cover.
1: yeah it looks oh, oh. oh my god uh, i'm just like i got, have to have to
0: have it have to have it <laughs> <laughs> so, i, I want to score too because it's only what 1200 copies i'm like oh you vinegar syndrome you did yeah, this I it it rad
1: it... i couldn't get rad <laughs> Right, I was I was lucky to get rad. Like like, you know, I, I was I was one of the ones that was sitting there waiting to like it went online. I was like, Oh yeah, give me give me give me give me give me What I you hate know? is that you but, know there's uh, people
0: like, out there that aren't buying it because they want it. They wanna resell it
1: for a triple the price, quadruple the price. That's disgusting. Oh, oh oh yeah, fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. Like my buddy Ken, he, he couldn't get a copy because of those fucking guys. The guy was bragging oh I got two how did you get two it was limit one per custom oh well I did this thing well you're a fucking asshole yeah like why would you do that you know
0: and that's gonna be the thing now though is it's all gonna be limited edition so Mischief is out of print for a long time I think Anchor Bay had it for a while on DVD and someone eventually is going to grab it up because um, well maybe not because Disney owns Fox now and Fox is just being you know like all. why did they even buy Fox it's all these R rated movies that they have no interest in why not just sell off a big catalog to someone who cares
1: I think they just, you know, the Disney's all about money, and it's just like, oh, this is something else we own, and like, you know, we're this big evil conglomerate, and you know, fuck everything else, and it's just like, yeah,
0: okay, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I get it. I was on their side. I was on their
0: side for a while, but movies like this are probably going to disappear because they don't want to be associated with Mm R-rated movies. Absolutely, yep. But if, if it does come out on Blu-ray, you know it's going to be some little label, and they're going to go, oh, well, we have a special lenticular cover with only 1,500 copies, and then someone's going to swoop in and get all of them again.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I hate that. Yeah.
0: The uh, the other movie that we're going to discuss, thank God, is from Kino, and Kino doesn't do that limited edition bullshit, is Space Camp, a movie I had not seen since like its early debut on HBO. And um, you were telling me, uh, what was the two selections you had? You had this and something else, but it didn't qualify. The Experts. The Experts. We'll do that sometime for maybe comedies of
1: 89. But um, that's another yeah. Comedy Central, like constant play. Uh, that, was another, that was another one that my mother, uh, I watched because of my mother. She's a huge fan of The Experts as well. We had that. When I was collecting VHS, I sold so many copies
0: of The Experts. Man. Hmm. I, uh, oh, here, speaking of rad, uh, I lost a job because of rad because I sold it to somebody in the same town that I lived in, mm-hmm. and I sold it for a lot of money, and while I was in the interview, the guy was asking me what I was doing now for money you because know, I hadn't worked in a while, and I said, oh, why well, I collect VHS and I sell them on eBay and Amazon. And he goes, oh, yeah? What kind of movies? I like, go, oh, you know, the out-of-print movies, the ones that are hard to find. And he goes, oh, yeah, I just bought Rad from somebody online for, like, uh, 50 bucks. It was so much money, it pissed me off. But, you know, at least I finally have the movie. And I go, oh, yeah, I just sold a copy of Rad. Oh, fuck. And he put, the two pieces <laughs> th- he put the two pieces together. The interview almost immediately went straight downhill. And I never got a call back. I'm almost certain that screwed me. I'm sure I sold it to him. Wow. Yeah, um, that's crazy. <laughs> back to Space Camp though. Okay, so um, I started watching this, and I gotta tell you, I was actually kind of pissed for the first half hour. I kept going, "That's not gonna, that's not real." No, stop it! And then I had to stop myself and go, "Oh right, the '80s. It was all about the fantasy of what could happen, not the reality." And I let go. Yeah, I just let go, and I enjoyed the movie.
1: Right, right, right. It is the same thing. It was just like, oh, okay, you know. This was the 80s. We got to have the cute robot, you know, that stuff, you know. And, you know, it's it's like, it's one of those movies where it's like, you know, it sets you on a path that you think is just going to be like, you know, this teen comedy and it sets up the character relationships. And then once they get into space, it almost completely changes tone. Yeah, it's like a survival. And uh, for... I, re- like, yeah, like, I remember, like, I was I was sitting there watching it and it just took me back and I was like God, oh, I forgot how good this movie was like that whole, all of the space scenes where it's just like I I remember like I even sat Indian style on my bed eating a bowl of Captain Crunch while watching it. <laughs> like you <laughs> were back in time <laughs> was, yeah totally it was like a like a like a portal through time I was like you know this this was definitely me as a kid you know sitting there eating cereal watching movies and it was just like. Ah, uh, now I remember. Now I remember why I loved this movie so much when I was a kid.
0: I can't believe how well it holds up. I'm not just talking the acting. They, they pick, like, the best of the young actors from that time period, but the, the fact they got John Williams to do the score, the special effects are yeah. mind-blowing good. I think only one scene didn't work because I could see the fading. You know how they when they, they put the two images together yeah. and they had that kind of weird outline fade thing? Um, yeah, absolutely. But everything they did was worth it. I mean, they spent the money on this and I think the only reason it didn't do well is because like 6 months prior was when the Challenger blew up and I don't think people wanted to deal with it.
1: Right, yeah. Like I, I it was supposed to come out around like the same time and they actually pushed it back. Oh, okay. To like give some distance and it was like you should have pushed it back a lot farther. Like I think they pushed it back like five or six months. Yeah, it doesn't it was seem like a out. summer
0: movie. This seems like a Christmas movie.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, Challenger blew up uh, fortunately in like January of '86, and like it was supposed to come around. I, I probably was supposed to come out like at least around February or March. Like, you guys should have pushed it back to at least Christmas of '86, where there was considerable amount of time between that and you know the the movie coming out. And it—I don't know if it probably would have done better, but it probably wouldn't have done as dismal as it did.
0: So, with this, do you remember anything about Space Camp? I remember everybody talking about, it, but how exactly did it work?
1: Like, um, I remember just—I uh, um, my mother used to work uh, across the street from a, a video store. It was called Bondi's, and she was cool with uh, the owners and. Especially the woman behind the counter. I, I, she was a lovely woman, but I, her name escapes me. Um, and, you know, so we got to rep movies all the time there. You know what I'm saying? And be, keep them as long as you want, kind of thing. They even used to allow me to go in the back and physically take out the tape from the rows. Okay. And, yeah, like, you know, if you go back where they keep all the actual tapes, you know, and it was like... Uh, you know just you know being a kid who loves movies being it's like a maze of movies back there it's like wow you know and space camp was one of the ones i rented a lot you know like space camp and Flight of the navigator kind of thing and i i, I definitely i think that's why like i was really one those kind of movies you know space camp fly to navigator explorers daryl i still uh, never seen daryl I, I keep saying i'm gonna watch it oh, oh my god, god. daryl was uh, Daryl was so good. Daryl was so good. And this was like, Daryl is kind of like a movie that, you know, appealed to me off that kind of like, you know, kids, you know, with technology kind of thing, which is how, like, I, you know, I fell in love with this movie as a kid, you know. Just, you know, kids and technology. I think I are probably related more to uh, Joaquin Phoenix or Leaf Phoenix, as he was known in this movie. You know, just being the. That that kid, you know, who who loved all things space and stuff and, you know, just wanted to, you know, be like that myself and go into outer space. And that's how it appealed to me, you know. That, that's how I took it, like, you know, it's just kids in space, you know.
0: Yeah, but I'm just wondering, was it like a real camp where you just paid a fee and you could go or did you have to take some sort of exam and testing in order to get in I, first? I, I,
1: oh, I, I, I believe that you probably had to take an exam to get into, like, you know, Uh, Space camp was kind of like, you know, almost like space school, if you will. Yeah, because I can't imagine that they would
0: put you through this if you were a dumb-dumb but just happened to have rich parents. Like, that would be a total waste (laughs) of time. You had to have some sort of aptitude for it.
1: Right, 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 right. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you you only took in the best and the brightest, you know. You had Leah Thompson, who was the pilot, you know. Who is called Plane, uh...
0: and I cannot understand that at
1: all. no 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 like yeah that is absolutely <laughs> oh, that's totally wrong
0: who else oh, we have tate donovan in his very first movie um yeah larry b scott uh, the Bl- guy who i am confounded yeah. as to why he did not have a better career once the 80s
1: were over with so was his career and it confuses me to no end yeah like larry b scott was great like you know he, he was very versatile you know, you saw him in this and Iron Eagle and Revenge of the Nerds, which is probably what he's most famous for. I I love him completely because he was in also Extreme Prejudice. Yeah, he's playing one of the he's playing one of the mercenaries, and he's 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 amazing in these. Yeah, and you buy it
0: because three. I mean, just in the same year, he goes back to playing Lamar again, and yeah. they're two wildly different characters, and I believe both.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's such a badass in Extreme Prejudice. And then he goes to playing Lamar in, uh, in Revenge of the Nerds, too. And it's just like, you know, he's so great. And I share your sentiment. Like, he, he should have been a way bigger star than he was.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, this one, Kelly Preston, um, really unpredictable character. Because they kind of sell it as she's vapid and materialistic. Yes. But she's no dum dum. She's got her shit totally together. That's just one of her aspects, yes. and I love the fact that they made her three dimensional.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, she uh, you know, she's got like her that spunkiness to her, you know. But she's she's absolutely you know with the way she like has a photographic memory of everything she reads when she reveals that, and she doesn't as she's chewing like you know that that chewing gum. You know, what I'm saying like so you expect her to be. In, an idiot, but she's just like, like, semi, almost semi-brilliant with her photographic memory capabilities. Yeah, and, it seems more like a um, nervous
0: know, thought like she chews the gum when she's thinking Like it's just a, a concentration yeah. method instead of just like I just need to do something because I don't know what to do and, and it's not just the director and the writers though it's also her performance is if she didn't give it credibility she would come off as like Denise Richards in uh, whatever that James Bond movie where she was a biochemist the yesterday. world is not enough <laughs> I didn't believe a second of
1: that <laughs> yeah no no totally totally they just wanted somebody pretty to be a bond girl in there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of
0: sad. This is the only time I think Kate Capshaw ever was the main star. I, I think she's yeah. forgotten. Most people cast her off as just, oh, well, she's Steven Spielberg's wife. You know, that's it. But she was a very good actress.
1: No, yeah, no. She, she's totally great. Like, uh, she's great in this and Dreamscape. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people, you know, write her off as just like, the, you know, uh, a damsel in distress and, um, yeah, a Temple of Doom, but she's great in that. I mean, my personally, my personal favorite performance of her was uh, Black Rain with uh, yeah. Michael Douglas. Yeah, she's she's absolutely amazing. In that yeah, she's totally great. You know, she's a strong lead. You know, the way he's, like you know commands the kids and stuff. You know, it's very believable. You know, and she gets to do like you know go out into space. And, you know, and do all that stuff. And it's like. You know, that's the kind of female heroine we needed in movies. And, you know, she was great at playing that. It's a shame they didn't give her more opportunities to do so.
0: Right. And and what's the smart play was making her the lead because it's kind of like what they did with Aliens. And it's no coincidence, I think, that Tom Skerritt is in this because I think subconsciously the director must have seen what they did with that, where he seems like the lead and then they kill him and all of a sudden Sigourney Weaver has to take over and I think that's what they did. They introduced right. Tom Skerritt. And by the way, it's not a quintessential 80s movie without Tom Skerritt.
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> but
0: they have him stay behind. And he controls everything mm-hmm. from the ground that's not life-risking. And she has to do everything she can, including, you know, possibly, you know, kill uh, not committing suicide, but putting her life on the line to save those children.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and... um you know, like he kind of almost like inadvertently kills her. Like you know, when he takes over like the, uh, you know, control of the ship. You know, and it's like, oh shit. You know, he's gonna leave her out in space when they start closing the doors and stuff. And it's like, oh no. You know, and uh, she has to be saved by a uh, uh, little Joaquin Phoenix. Fe- or oh, Leaf. I'm sorry. Leaf <laughs> yeah, it's so weird <laughs> because the
0: scene Leaf Phoenix. I was like, that sure looks like Joaquin. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. He's great in the movie too. He like, is. You know. Um I love yeah. that I love that you robot. Can see the, the, ro- the robotics on that. Yeah, and his relationship great. he acts like it's real. I mean I know mean, it's physical in front of him, but he his connection to it, and I think it's a thing that kids can only really do, like the way they did with E. T. It's really hard to right, connect yeah. to something that isn't actually alive.
1: Right, absolutely. You know, and like, you know, I guess that's just a testament to uh Joaquin Phoenix, you know, who's just obviously the talent existed way back when, like, you know, when he was a child, you know, because, you know, people that, especially the scene where uh, the, the robot inadvertently reveals that, you know, Tate Donovan and Leah Thompson have run off and Tate Donovan comes back and he's pissed. And, you know, it's, you just feel so bad because, you know, he's sitting there, he's crying because, you know, he thought this kid was his friend, you know, and it's just like, oh. You mean, why can't Phoenix cry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's. I think it's a realistic
0: approach to being the outsider because he doesn't belong really necessarily in that group when it comes to the age, but his intelligence is on the same yeah. level or more than the rest of them. And, and this is not Absolutely. me bragging in any way whatsoever, but I can relate because when I was in third grade, I was so advanced, and I believe that they were talking about putting me well. <sighs> They put me in a program called Horizons, which was for the the, the most intelligent fifth graders. And so it was kind of like college prep, but in elementary school. And they were only two years older than me, but I was treated like shit the entire time, that I was a baby, that I couldn't have possibly been as smart as they were, and I just eventually broke, and I couldn't take it anymore, and I quit.
1: It happens. I've been there myself, you know. You just, you know people just they, they see you as kind of like almost a threat if you will it's like how's yes. this younger kid you know uh, sitting there with me you know and just you know it's just people with inadequacies projecting right and, 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 and then they the, can't handle it
0: the kids that are in your grade they're all of a sudden are like he's like a freak show i don't understand why he's why isn't he with us all day like i would spend my like generic classes like gym and uh, you know, like reading or whatever. Like certain classes I would spend with my normal group but when I went to the Horizons mm. program it was like three class worth you know like three hours or whatever every afternoon so I'd only spend part of the day in there. Yeah. Right. But, so right. I see where so, he's coming from because he just feels like he'll never be accepted.
1: Yeah. You uh, know he sees like this. This only his only friend is this robot character who takes the, the, the friendship a little too literally yeah. and kind of just the fucks them all over the, <laughs> the, the one final thing oh, I want met. to say
0: the one final thing I want to say about this before we wrap it up is uh, we have a star of Lost in both of these movies did you hmm. notice that uh, Mr. Terry O'Quinn is in both films
1: oh shit Holy shit, like, I didn't didn't even notice, I totally didn't notice that, like, yeah, because he's in the control room in Space Camp, and then he's the dad of Gene in Mischief, holy shit, I didn't notice that.
0: And I almost Uh, see his performance in Mischief, I can see how he was cast in Stepfather from that movie.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, he's such an asshole father in Mischief.
0: I still can't believe he didn't even give his so, ch- son a chance. He's like, no, you're out, you're gone, bye. I'm like, whoa, whoa, did right. you not even hear his side of the story? What happened?
1: Right, right. Like, you know, he totally just, like, you know, get out of here, you're out of here. Like, you know, it's like one of those movies where you think, like, oh, he's going to have, like, you know, he's going to make things right with his pop. And I'm like, no, no, he just says, fuck this, I'm out of here. And then he never makes anything right with his pop, and then that's it. Yeah. And, you know, it's gone, and it's like. Wow.
0: I guess there's an honesty in that, because not everything has a happy ending.
1: That's true. Yeah. That's true. That is that is very true. All
0: right, is there anything else you want to say before, uh, before we go on in either one of these movies?
1: Um, yeah. Uh, the, I'll say that uh, Space Camp is a highly underrated 80s family, lighthearted, tense action-adventure, and it should be watched. And Mischief, uh... If you want to watch it, go ahead. If not, uh, I don't blame you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a mixed bag. A lot of 80s movies are mixed bags. Some stuff just doesn't hold up, and that's one of those questionable movies. Space Camp, um, once I let go of the reality of it, I was completely sold. And I just look now, I know why it didn't do very well. Because uh, it opened on the 6th, and it did okay in its opening week. <clears throat> but the next week, five days later, Ferris Bueller's Day Off opens, Two days later, uh, Back to School comes out. Oh, uh, they got fucked. Yeah, then two weeks later, Karate Kid Part 2. So all that audience was yanked away.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, I, I, I can imagine... Uh, Crazy Kid Two being the final nail in the coffin because that movie was a monster.
0: Yeah, I went and saw that. I was just thinking about that. That's another one that's going to come up in the show. I'm not going to discuss Karate Kid Three. I just can't bring myself. I don't. It hurts too much. But... you like part three? Oh. Ah, I know what... I mean, I I, I,
1: I, I like it for all the wrong reasons. I like it because it's just a hella. Oh,
0: so I can't. I, how is it possible? That the same guys who did the first two, same writer, same director, same cast. And then three comes around and go, okay, you know how some parts of one and two, they had a villain in there. It was kind of over the top. We're going to make that the whole movie.
1: Okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I, Robert Mark came and admits he did it for the check. He, Probably. He, he's, not, he's not proud of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do. I, I wonder about some movies that get made. I'm like, well, what do I do for a living? I got to pay the bills too, so I can't blame you. I hear that <laughs> Alright so uh, Plugs before we go Give me some hair plugs I'm bald Give me some Plug plug plug
1: plug plug <laughs> You ain't the only one um, <laughs> um, Of course you can find me On Twitter Instagram Facebook And YouTube As the Cinema Drunky. You can find my writings On um, numerous uh, things uh, On UltimateActionMovies.com As well as ActionFlix.com Out As well as my blog TheCinemaTrunkie.wordpress.com and uh, my um, Star Trek podcast, uh, Bros from the Bridge, we're on a brief hiatus. But uh, we will be back shortly. That I, you know, take care of a couple of things. But uh, we will be back soon. So hope you join us.
0: Okay. And everybody, of course, we're a spinoff of Video Night Podcast. So check out that page on Facebook. And we are on uh, Podbean, you know, uh, all the apps, uh, Apple, uh, no, iTunes, uh, Apple, Uh, Spotify, you can find all the podcasts there, as well as Bearded. Okay, you changed the name. It was Bearded Bros on the Bridge,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, uh, 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 Big Bearded Brooklyn Bros on the Bridge, but um, I kept getting fucking idiots uh, who who didn't read past the Big Bearded Brooklyn Bros, and I was getting constant, like, hey, you want to do an interview with us? Oh, you want to talk about Star Trek? Oh, it's a Star Trek podcast. Like, yeah, didn't you read the full title? So it's like, uh, wait,
0: so just so random dudes with big beards wanted to.
1: What? No, it's just <laughs> like, 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 uh like, um like the my co-host Mac. uh He had a buddy of his who's like an aspiring rapper. Like, yeah, like you know, you guys could interview me. It was like, you know, we talk about Star Trek on this podcast, right? You going to write about. You to do a song
0: about Star Trek then. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like if you write rap songs on Star Trek, that's fine. But uh you know, oh, like, oh, 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 he has to—he
0: has to write a, a rap song or a theme song called Spock's Beard. That's the way it fits in with your show. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, totally, totally. So, like, I thought it would just be best to shorten the title, you know, to just "Bros on the Bridge," you know. So, like, you know, you get the point right there. I mean, I was bummed. He was bummed. But, uh, you know, it, it was necessary because, you know, there, there's a lot of idiots out there. Yeah.
0: Oh, I've had... God damn it. I'm to this point now where I look back on some of the episodes I interviewed before I vetted people. I'm like, oh, should I erase that episode from history? I might have to. I hate that. It's, it's I think what you have going is probably for the best where you know and trust the person you're doing the show with. And uh, I'm at that point now. Unless you tell me that you're like, yeah, I, I kill hobos on the weekend. I bury them out in the desert. I think we're good.
1: <laughs> no, we won't have any of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I got to go. There's another drifter passing by. I got to go take care of that. And I'm like, ooh, I guess I better race for episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good night.